Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's show, we have a brand that I think is the perfect fit. So look sharp. First off, if you're brand new, welcome to this show. It's all about how some of the most interesting brands in the world today mobilize their masses to become more authentic. And today we're on with made to measure suit brand Indochino and their CEO and president, Drew Green. Now this is a brand which I first came into contact with via a podcast, and maybe you did too if you're a podcast listener, but this brand over the last five years has made great strides in becoming the largest privately held custom apparel brand in the entire world. They've done so many great things to innovate in this category, which is in purchasing formal clothing. And just like everybody else, they've had to learn a lot through this pandemic. How do you continue to grow a brand? How do you maintain its image? And how do you continue to give that personal touch, even when some of the elements of that personal touch, like a retail fleet, becomes unavailable? Now, Drew's got a ton of experience across so many different industries, and it was a pleasure to learn from him broadly, especially when it comes to the advice section of the podcast. But in terms of this brand, for which personalization is so core and experience is so core, it was refreshing to hear how it flows through not only to the stories that are told, but also the stories that are shared. And yes, we share a few stories on this one as well. So sit back, relax, maybe think about a new suit and listen in to our conversation today with, from Indochino, Drew Green. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Now today, I have a brand which you may have heard first on podcasts, at least that's where I heard about it first, but we're on with Drew Green from Indochino. Drew, how are you? Thank you so much for joining the show. It's great to talk to you. No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, uh, Adam, and uh, yeah, looking forward to our, to our chat today. Let's talk very briefly at the top, uh, assuming you're safe and everything's all good. Uh, how, what have you learned the most so far through this pandemic with regard to building Indochino as a business? And, and I have some specifics within that as we move through the conversation, but I just, it, it struck me as top of mind. So let's, let's start there. And then I, of course, I want to get to your journey to join this brand and all that, but let's just start there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many learnings, uh, from the past four months. It's, it's, you know, it's been an absolutely surreal time. Uh, I'm sure for, you know, for you and for all your listeners, certainly for, for me and my family, I think, you know, what I really, really believe in is making, um, you know, every challenge an opportunity. And I think first and foremost, as a family, we've really done that. Um, you know, happy to, <laughs> happy to walk you through how, uh, maybe at another time, but from a business perspective, um, you know, I think the biggest, I wouldn't say surprise, but just the biggest, um, compliment I can give my team is just how incredibly resilient uh, they've been. You know, you, you kind of put yourself in our shoes, which is, you know, Indochino is one of the fastest growing apparel brands globally, uh, has just had an incredible sort of five-year run growing from a, a very niche business uh, to a very, very big business. And, you know, all of a sudden the world stopped, right? And literally, um, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember kind of where I was and, and what I was doing, you know, when we're having the call and talking about, okay, you know, there's safety concerns for our employees, there's safety concerns for our customers. And, you know, here you have this amazing business that all of a sudden has to, you know, essentially hibernate itself. And, you know, look, I think that's, you know, looking back, you can, you can talk about it, it's easy to say it, but, 
mentally, uh, the toll that that can take on people on the team. You know, that's what I was worried about the most. And I'm just, you know, incredibly grateful. Um, and I would say a little bit surprised just because how hard it is to, to be resilient. Um, you know, but, but the team has just been incredible and, and, yeah, I'm super proud of them and, and, you know, can go into some of the micro learnings that we've had, but, but that would be sort of the biggest one, uh, the last four months. Well, perhaps to seep into the micro learnings just a little bit, I'll focus on something which you just mentioned and in the context of safety, of course, paramount right now. But I want to go a little bit broader than that and whether these are learnings based upon the pandemic or upon your many, many years of experience just in the world. I need to ask about this as well, because the concern in care for people comes through pretty clearly in, in, in the answer that you just gave is the first thing that came to mind. And I'm curious because it doesn't take too long to go through, for example, your LinkedIn and find a number of ways in which you instilled a culture at this brand that has allowed for such outrageous growth and such an amazing brand to be built. Now, there are tactics listed within uh, your bio. So for instance, renaming human resources of people and culture, doing the game ball. But, but I want to get above that just slightly and learn about some of the ways in which you build businesses from a values perspective because these are suggestive of certain qualities of a culture and people that you look for and ways that you curate uh, and cultivate and nurture talent. And so I just want to dive into that a little bit because people on the show love to hear about the leaders just as much as the brands and it seems that you've exemplified it. But I want to know more about the qualities that drive you in the way that you build these organizations up. Yeah, I think I think for me... Um... There's there's a few quite a few things right. I think you know number one, um, it always starts with believing that you can win, and you know that might again that might sound simple. Um, it's kind of easy to say, uh, but it's really a relentless um, frame of mind. You know you've got to believe you can win. Um, there are going to be in life and business and personal, there are going to be challenges thrown your way. There's going to be obstacles. Um, there's going to be, you know, hard days, so to speak, but you have to believe you can win. And it's, you know, again, like you, you say it and it seems simple, um, but not everybody's built that way. And you have to also be, you know, empathetic and, and you know, compassionate to that. And, and you know, for me, I, I really want to instill that in, in you know, in, in the cultures that I'm involved in, certainly in, in the Indochino culture is just this, you know, ever-present belief that that we're going to win and then the second thing I go to which you know you kind of refer to in, in 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 some of the tactics approach to it but communication is so important and you know I think that when you're building a culture transparency again is easy to say um, it might be fairly easy to do you know when things are going well or over a short period of time but what I've always, you know, aspired to and, and, and really tried to execute against is just full transparency. And, you know, I think on one hand, I think people and cultures of companies uh, appreciate that. I also think it's hard, right? Um, because sometimes the transparent answer isn't, you know, is, is just a hard answer, right? And so, you know, we really, really spend a lot of time on that. I think in, in the post-COVID world, you know, those, those two things have become really, really important. And one of the reasons why we've been able to, to really restore the business like we have these last four months, you know, opening back all 52 showrooms uh, as of last week. And so, 
you know, beyond that, um, you know, you've got to have, and a little bit to the communication element, you've got to have a rhythm. So, you know, I say rhythm, what I mean by that is just a constant communication flow and funnel. And so, you know, there's things that we do uh, to ensure that every day, my exec team and I spend an hour on a call. Uh, sometimes, uh, or most of the time, the conversation is more strategic, but it can also be very tactical, especially in times like this where, you know, there's just so much going on to to, to restore the business. But um, yeah, hopefully that gives you a little bit of view in terms of, you know, some of the things that we have committed to and continue to do. It does. Those qualities and uh, things like transparency, like you said, they are, they are rather hard at times. Sometimes you have to, to, to break hard truths and just tell it like it is. I'm sure that after a few years of developing this entirely new retail concept, being forced to shut those down, at least temporarily, uh, offered, of course, opportunities to transform, but uh, ways in which you had to learn to pivot in order to maintain the business. And it's good to hear that those showrooms are now opening back up. But I wonder within that time, which were probably what I'm guessing, some of the more challenging times for the business or any business since at least your tenure began there, what are some of the most interesting things you learned as to how to, to maintain a business through other ways? My guess, and if I can load this a little bit, it seems that the model, even before that retail concept fleet, would weather this well. I mean, at the end of the day, people can put their measurements into, into the website and get the suit, you know? So I'm curious from your direct perspective as to what you learned about how to maintain brand through these ever-shifting conditions. Yeah, I mean, so you you know a little bit about my background, and I'm sure I've I've kind of read it, um, you know, somewhat. I, I I think for me, um, you know, the thing the 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 greatest thing that Indochino does is it actually solves a problem, right? And and so whether it's technology company or you know digital media or now apparel, you really want to make sure that your company, um, what you do. Uh, what you stand for is actually solving a problem for your customers. And so, you know, the thing for us, the the, the problem that we solve is, is fit, right? Um, you know, the number one reason that consumers return product is because, you know, something just does not fit well. And so, you know, whether it's online or then as we evolved and, and really scaled up our showroom model, we had this belief and knew it to be true that, you know, really customers want, a well-fitted garment, whether it's a suit or shirting or outerwear or khakis, all of which we sell, you know, the fact that we can have something that fits the customer uh, perfectly is, is, is really important. And so we stayed true to that, even as we rolled out, you know, quote unquote, our retail model. Um, I, as I think about, you know, the future, I think a lot of the things that we've done these last four or five years in terms of our model, in terms of our showroom model, is really important, right? I don't think you're going to see, um, well, hopefully you don't see massive and massive crowds within, you know, retail stores. Um, we just can't do it, right? There's still the pandemic uh, out there that we're dealing with. Um, you know, retailers need to be cautious in terms of how many people are in a store, not only for their customers, but you know, frankly, first and foremost for their staff. And so, you know, our model is is different, right? We're we're appointment based, um, you know, we'll have close to 2000 appointments set across the retail network this week, you know, and that's people coming onto our website and, you know, making an appointment for our, our, our showroom and then coming in and, 
you know, that affords us to really control traffic uh, in the in the retail environment. It also allows us to do other things that I think are really important in retail right now, which is control, you know, your labor rates and control the experience a little bit more. And so, you know, that's definitely, um, I think, I think that sets us up, up well for a post-COVID world. I think the other thing that we talked a lot about, you know, as we planned, um, you know, coming out of COVID and the, the associated, you know, lockdowns or, or, or shutdowns was, you know, we are a virtual inventory business. So I don't have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of inventory in my showrooms or in warehouses. Everything is made once the customer orders it. And again, that I think is really, really important in a post-COVID world, both from a consumer experience standpoint, but more importantly from a PL uh, you know, standpoint. And so, you know, as you pointed out, there's some there's some definite differences in our business that we've cultivated that really, you know, we feel and our customers feel, you know, set us up for success as we move forward. Those differences that set you apart from others just in the way that people buy this type of attire, obviously obviously sets you apart. And it's something that I want to talk about next because it's, I think, slightly different from the way I've talked about the topic of personalization with brands. Now, when I say the word personalization with brands, everybody's like, oh yeah, we need to have the best personalized experience. And that's sort of where it begins and ends. And everybody has their own idea about how to do that. But generally it means, okay, uh, pretty much figure out their their name, use it as much as possible, and and get a you know first party data repository on that person and 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 leverage it. Now I'm curious from you specifically because just like everybody is different, every suit is made you know in its own unique way. It obviously helps for PNL as you just said. It helps for that experience. Personalization is core to the business. That's one of the things that it seems to me has really not changed over time. That's one of the constants. I'm curious because. This show also goes into the way in which people who experience brands share their stories about them. How does that core value of personalization translate over to the way that the folks who walk through your showroom, the folks who walk through your online buying experience, the way they're encouraged to share about that with folks? Because my guess is somebody goes through the process, they get the perfect fit, they look great, and they can't wait to show it off, but also tell people about it, you know, whether it be their their buddies at work or, 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 or people in their friend group who also require formal clothing or, or just business type clothing. What are the ways in which you in a personalized way are able to get them to spread the word themselves? Yeah, such a great question. And I think that, you know, you kind of, you're, what you're hitting on in the question is, is one of the challenges in, in scaling uh, an apparel business or, or frankly, you know, any direct to consumer business, which is, you know, you set out the, you set out your plan and you start acquiring customers. And, you know, that's obviously very important when you're first starting out or, or, you know, as you go through the early stages of building your business, but then it becomes all about, you know, how do your customers talk about the brand? Um, do they tell their friends, do their friends come in? Do they as customers repeat purchase? And it's sort of that organic growth that really makes or breaks uh, a brand's ability to be uh, sustainable and, and in our case, you know, a brand that's going to impact many generations. And so for us, you know, what we really recognized early on was that, you know, what we're doing essentially is creating a one of a kind garment, right? You are the designer. You come in and you determine what fabrics, you determine you know, the monogram, you determine the lining and dozens of other 
personalized, uh, you know, features or, or, or options for your garment. And that experience, frankly, is a lot of fun, right? It's not walking into a store, picking something off the shelf, maybe trying it on or not, maybe having somebody to help you or not, and then, you know, paying for it and, and, and leaving. It's so much more engaging. You know, you're, you're setting an appointment, which a lot of our customers tell us that, oh man, I'm excited about my appointment, right? So they've got this anticipation, you know, about coming in. And then they spend an hour with a showroom or with a style guide um, a person in our showroom. And again, they're creating this one of a kind garment and that experience start to finish is also one of a kind. And, and we've been really fortunate. The only way that we've been able to scale our business is through, you know, word of mouth and repeat purchase. Of course, we do acquire, you know, thousands and thousands of new customers every week, but it's really the returning customers. It's really the customers that heard about us through friends and family that have really, you know, made us who we are, so to speak. And, and we're very grateful for that. Of those thousands of customers that come in every week and whether they're brand new or repeat, I got to ask this next question because most folks have a standout answer for it. But what I want to know from you is got any favorite stories of, uh, of a particular customer or a shopper or something that just stands out to you? Maybe somebody that you met in the showroom, maybe somebody that, maybe it is somebody that shared something online. Maybe it's something that got passed up the chain to you. Be like, Hey, this, look at this crazy guy, you know, whatever. I'm curious about those standout stories and, and maybe also how you then tell you, okay, great, go amplify that. I want to tell that story to the masses. Can you, you got any, you got any of those? Oh my goodness. I got hundreds of them. <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> the one, the one thing I love about, I mean, there's so many things I love about what I do, but one of the things I love, love about what I do is hearing from customers. And, you know, through the years, I've, I've literally heard from thousands of customers. I'm usually, you know, through LinkedIn or through my email, which seems like uh, a lot of people have. I'm usually the person that, that people reach out to when, when they feel like there's been a challenge, right, uh, in their experience. And there's no greater satisfaction that I get as a CEO than, than really solving a problem for a customer, right? And, you know, in any business, you, you strive and you aspire to have things go perfectly uh, every time. And we're lucky because the vast majority of the experiences we deliver are perfect, but in some cases they're not. And when they're not, you know, you really want to make sure it gets back there. And so, you know, a specific example would be when, you know, we solved the problem for, for a groom, you know, a, a, a groom, a groom to be, or somebody that's getting married and really, you know, something has sort of gone wrong in the process where, you know, we need to make sure that things get done on time or done in a way that they can have a successful wedding. And uh, there's literally been hundreds of cases like that through the years where we've been able to really, really react quickly, uh, really solve the problem. You know, in one case, we then sent, you know, a bottle of champagne and I got a bunch of pictures from the wedding. And that's just a really satisfying, uh, you know, journey that that we went on with that customer. I think other ones are, are really when athletes engage the brand i think you know as a former athlete uh i wish i could still call myself an athlete but as a former athlete um you know i really admire um uh, you know professional athletes in terms of their work ethic in terms of them following their passion and you know aspiring to be the best and we've had literally hundreds and hundreds of athletes you know just 
sort of represent and fall in love with the brand. Even even this year, we the, the NBA draft, we've got you know three of the top five picks that are going to be wearing Indochino as they go into that virtual or in-person NBA draft. Last year, we had R.J. Barrett. You know, one quick story: we had one athlete. You know, I'm not going to mention his name uh, just to just to be on the right side of privacy. But fair enough. Uh, you know, one major league ba- baseball player that ordered 62 uh suits and at the time it was like this monstrous order this is like four years ago yeah uh and it was just this monster order you know literally almost fifty thousand dollars i think all in with shirts and suits and and everything and we were so so flattered and so grateful uh he played for the oakland athletics at the time and uh somebody that i actually followed because he played for another team uh, that I follow really closely prior to the athletics. And so we we gave him a call and we just said, look, we really appreciate the order. We want to get this perfect. Would you mind if we actually, uh, you know, took this in stages and actually had you, you know, delivered a couple of them, you know, first, made, make sure they fit. And then as long as we're all good, you know, we're going to get everything to you in two weeks after that. And so, you know, we went on that journey with him and he's ended up, you know, ordering more and more and more since then. But that was just a, yeah, that was a really fun experience. Well, I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm guessing like the second that comes through, like everybody, you know, you're in a state of shock. Oh my God, look at that. 60, that's that, that's gotta be one of the larger orders you've ever received from an individual. Yeah. We've had a few of those big ones, but that definitely was one of the first. And, you know, you all, you also want to make sure it's, uh, it's legitimate because it's such a big, Oh, order. sure. Right. Exactly. Uh, Right. But then but then you see the name and not everybody, you know, on our team is, is sports fans or, you know, recognizes who the who the athlete is. But uh, I sure did, obviously, right away. And, and we made sure it was just, a, again, a perfect experience for them. Well, it's always getting that experience right that uh, produces the best result. And especially if you can multiply that by 62 or two in one setting, I'm sure is, is, is equally just as gratifying to you as somebody, a self-noted solver of problems for, for your customers. Um, if you can help me to spell out a little bit of the next things that you're set to solve for the brand, because now you've got all 52 back open, the whole deck laid out for everyone to see, uh, business kicking back up my guests as a result. What's next for the brand? Any big plans? Of course, I don't want to give you anything, uh, anything private away, but I'm curious, what, uh, what do you have in mind for Let's see, you've been there about five years. How about the next couple of years? You know what? So this year was going to be, and I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to uh, create hyperboil here, but this year was going to be unbelievably amazing for us. I mean, we had uh, just absolutely massive plans for further expansion. Um, about 10 days before we temporarily uh, suspended our showrooms, uh, our showroom operations, we were about to announce a major, major partnership uh, with a department store that we had been working on for years and had signed an agreement on, and we were going through all the, the cadence of, of launching that. And so that's now on hold. Um, you know, some of our growth plans are, are also on hold in 21. Um, and I just say on hold, we want to make sure that we want to make sure our current employees, our current showrooms are really operating in this new world, right? I, I think everybody knows that this, you know, there is going to be and there is a new normal, right? It's not, 
we're not going to wake up next week or next month and everything is just going to be like it was in in January, February, early March, things have changed. And so my number one priority really, you know, these next six, 12, 18 months is just to really, really take care of our people, uh, take care of our partners um, and really let our product, um, you know, continue to build momentum sort of on its own. And so, um, you know, there's some other, you know, sort of what I'll call micro uh, things that we're excited about, like our you know, fall winter launch coming here in a few weeks. Um, we've got some further product expansion that we're going to be launching this year. But I, I just really want to focus on the basics and 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 let the business flourish again before we before we do you know some amazingly crazy things beyond that. Sure, I got to make sure you have the foundation in in place. And those sound like exciting updates. And although they were put on hold, I'm sure they will come to fruition at some point, and and you'll allow them to uh, to flourish. I've got one more question for you, and it has to do with uh, with some advice. Now, listeners, you know what's coming up here. We've done this so many times that it's second nature to you, but it's first nature to Drew. So I will explain. I always end these interviews by asking about top tips, whether it's manifested in a, spe- a specific story or a uh, lesson from a mentor or even a pitfall avoided or a mistake made about ways in which to become, and I call it being coming more authentic as a brand, but perhaps in your broader experience, just in building the best brand possible that develops the best relationships with its customers. The reason I ask this is because the folks who tune in generally are emulating the paths of the folks that appear. And you got an illustrious career of having all sorts of different hands and all sorts of different businesses, obviously a very successful one right now. And I'm curious to learn directly from you. And while it's difficult to boil the ocean into one specific point or one specific story, I do wonder if there's a standout one or two tips that you could be passing along to others as they continue on their journeys in hopes of one day becoming the next Drew Green. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, wow. Um, I think there's, there's, there's quite a bit we could talk about here. The first thing that came to mind, which I always like to go to, I always like to go to the first thing that comes to mind when questions are asked. It's just about, again, about winning. And, you know, these are challenging times. And, and when I say challenging, I mean, unprecedentedly challenging, right? Um, I'm, you know, of an age where, you know, I'm 46 years old. So I'm of an age where, you know, I saw the technology crash and, and, and lived it, you know, I was in New York at the time. Um, and that was bad and was still in New York when the financial crisis hit. And that was challenging. Um, you know, and these are challenging times. These are challenging even more so because there's so much personal change that's happening to our world. And I say personal change, just even in terms of how our kids, you know, go to school or, or their, you know, extracurricular activities. There's just so much change. My biggest advice is to find the opportunity in that change right and 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 really really focus on you know the present um is super important i think as a as an operator as an entrepreneur um it's so easy to get bogged down in you know what the future could hold um and you've got to you've got to think about the future you've got to have a vision but you've got to, to got to remain present especially in challenging times and then sort of the third leg to that that simple advice is is you know, you really can't lose if you don't give up. I really do believe that. I think that was a Babe Ruth quote, um, you know, from however many years ago. But I've I've really adopted that in my life, you know, in the last 20 years. Like, you're not going to lose if you don't give up. 
And so, you know, that can be how you transform a brand, how you build a brand, how you build a company, how you build a team, whatever it is, just don't give up, you know, keep going and stay present and turn those challenges into opportunities. Um, so hopefully that, hopefully that's helpful. Well, it is. It's, of course, uh, as these as these winds of change bear down upon us, it's always good to be on the eye for opportunity. But to to have that constant focus on winning, I do like that quote as well. It's the first time that quote has come up on this show, um, and an interesting one, of course, to to walk away with. So, uh, you know, listeners, go in first, first of all, go and check out Drew, all the stuff that he's done. But obviously, uh, hey, if you need some formal clothing, now you know where to go, right? You got all you go in any of the showrooms that you want. Um, but make sure you book an appointment, though. Uh, and for, for everything that, uh, that you've given here on the show to tell me all about what you've learned through these, uh, challenging times and what you've done to bring personalization even more to the forefront, as well as a little bit of what's next. We're excited for that. Uh, Drew, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure to have you. Yeah. So grateful for your time and, and, uh, super proud of you. Keep going, man. Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you so much again to Drew Green from Indochino for joining the show today. I don't know if I'll ever be in a place to order 62 suits at once, but I know where I'm going to look when I get my next one. If you enjoyed this show, here's what you can do, all right? Because I've got a lot of content just like this for you to peruse. Here's a link, podcast.vavoom.co. You want more of this? How about like 60 hours worth? I've done about 120 of these episodes here from brands all around the world, both in apparel and outside of it. I talk to all sorts of different industries, CMOs, CEOs, founders, brilliant marketing minds. Go have yourself a ball. Also, if you are socially inclined, head over to LinkedIn. Not only am I there personally, Adam Connor, connect if you'd like, but also we have a showcase page there, Authentic Influence Podcast, where I also interact with some of my community as well. If you have any great recommendations for follow-on guests or topics that I should cover, let me know and I'll do my best to bring it to you. But right now, I'm going to go work on the next show because I got one in statistically the next day or two to bring you about how another fantastic brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic. And until then, for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time. <laughs>